go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, June the 8th, in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and today we're going to return to a study of Proverbs. Well, Proverbs, this Sunday is Trinity Sunday. So what has the Old Testament got to do with Proverbs and Trinity Sunday? The idea that the Trinity is only taught in the New Testament is wrong. No, it's also taught in the Old Testament. In fact, if you take the first three sentences of the Old Testament you have the Holy Trinity. In the beginning, God, that is the Father, created the world. Second verse, and the Holy Spirit hovered above the face of the waters. And the third verse, and God said, let there be light. Now that refers to Jesus, according to John chapter 1. Because John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and nothing was created that was not created by the Word. Now, we're not saying that Jesus alone created all things. No, creation is an action that the entire Trinity participated in. The only real event that only the Son participated in was his crucifixion. The Father did not die. The Holy Spirit did not die, but the Son did die. And the Bible makes clear that all three contributed to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, when you read Proverbs, you have seven chapters of Solomon addressing his son. See, that's the way that wisdom is taught, by a father to the children. And what is wisdom? Instruction in what God considers to be appropriate obedience. This is very, very important today because many in the world no longer believe in God and his obedience. They are living together outside of marriage. They are not taking care of children in the womb. They are having immoral relationships between men and men and women and women. And they do that because they think that their views are correct. 
Now, in Rome, in Proverbs 8, we have Jesus talking to us. In fact, the first four verses are part of our text for Trinity Sunday. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? Now, you might wonder, if this is Jesus, why is there a feminine adjective? Because this is really talking about wisdom. Jesus is the wisdom of the world. In fact, in the New Testament, only the Apostle Paul refers to Jesus as wisdom. Very important to understand that. That when wisdom calls, that would be like the shepherd finding the sheep or the Savior finding the blind man or any time someone is found, they are called by God. And Jesus, as wisdom, is understanding, raising her voice. Verse 2, on the heights besides the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Besides the gate in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, She cries aloud. Now, what does that mean? That means that the message of Jesus Christ is not just found in the church, but she goes into the public, at the crossroads, at the gates in front of the town where the elders often meet at the entrance of the portals, the doors of town, she cries aloud. Verse 4 shows very clearly that wisdom is not just talking to Christians. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. Now, this translation, to you, O men, really refers to you, O mankind, and includes men and women. And the cry is also to all the children of men. At this point, the reading for Trinity Sunday skips to verse 22 of Proverbs 8. And we're going to find here a huge heresy that occurred in the early church. It begins, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. 
when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped. Before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he made the earth with its fields. At the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, which he made firm the skies above, when he established the mountain fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundation of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of men. Now, can you see the possible controversy that arose in the church. How you translate Proverbs makes a difference as to whether wisdom, who is Jesus Christ, was from the beginning God and in existence, or whether he too was part of creation of God the Father. It sounds like he was part of the creation of God the Father. Now, we're going to get a little technical here, but there is a comparison of the difference between the Hebrew text of Proverbs and the Septuagint text. The Septuagint text was the Greek translation of the Hebrew. And it's used by the apostles, so it's not always a bad text, but it is different than the Hebrew text. Let me give you some examples. The Hebrew text, verse 22, Yahweh possess me, at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. But you know how the Septuagint can read? The Lord created me at the beginning of his ways for his works. You see the difference? If the Father already possessed Jesus, he was at the right hand of God the Father. He was equal to the Father. He was divine in all things. Jesus, indeed, was God himself. And he participated in all of the creation of the world at behest of God the Father. And therefore, we disagree with the Septuagint translation 
that the Lord created me. In verse 23, the Hebrew says, From eternity I was appointed from the beginning. Whereas the Septuagint reads, Before the age he founded me in the beginning. You see the difference? The Septuagint Greek translation gives the impression that God the Father founded Jesus Christ. Whereas the Hebrew text is far better. He was appointed from the beginning. Now, God the Father cannot appoint something that has yet to be created from the very beginning. And so the Hebrew text is far better in understanding that Jesus was with the Father, appointed from the beginning. And it says in the Hebrew, from before the earth, when there were no deep waters, I was given birth, when there were no springs filled with water. That's the Hebrew. The Greek Septuagint, before he made me, that's what it said, before he brought forth the springs of water. So how do you understand this difference? Well, the Hebrew text that Jesus was given birth meant that he was now active in the work of God the Father in creating the world. Whereas the Greek text says that God the Father made Jesus before he made the earth. And see, that would be a contradiction of John, that all things were made by Jesus. Verse 25 continues this. The Hebrew, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Whereas the Greek says, before the mountains were settled in place, before all the hills, he begets me. Now, what does the word beget mean? Remember, there are two kinds of children you can have. Begotten or adopted. Begotten means of the same flesh. And so it's still something where you did not exist and then you come into existence. That's what the Greek translation appears to give, that Jesus was begotten before the hills, whereas the Hebrew before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. 
if you understand that birth as the activity of Jesus in bringing together the entire universe, then this had occurred before the hills. Verse 26, when he had not yet made land or fields or the beginning of the dust of the inhabited world, that's when Jesus was given birth. Whereas the Greek says, the Lord made countries and uninhabited places and inhabited heights under the heavens. The reason we're spending time on this is there was a huge controversy in the early church by a heretic named Arius, A-R-I-U-S. He did not believe that Jesus was divine. He did not believe that Jesus existed for all time. He taught that Jesus was part of the first creation of God the Father. And so it took the Christians at that time to begin to teach the proper teachings of the Holy Trinity. So the wisdom of Christ was indeed present prior to the creation of anything. In fact, many fathers connected John 1 with Proverbs 8. Ignatius of Antioch uh, died around 107. How could such a one be a mere man, receiving the beginning of his existence from Mary, and not rather God the Word, and the only begotten Son? For in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in another place, the Lord created me, the beginning of his ways, for his ways, for his works. Before the world did he found me, and before all the hills did he beget me. In other words, Jesus was appointed to be the right hand of God the Father before anything was created. He therefore had to be eternal. In fact, Justin Martyr, another great Old Testament, I'm sorry, New Testament teacher, died in 165, asserted on the basis of Proverbs 8 that Jesus was begotten before creation and also as a distinct person of the Trinity, God the Son, to be distinguished from God the Father. He writes, As it is written, 
in the book of wisdom. If I should tell you daily events, I would be mindful to enumerate them from the beginning. The Lord created me the beginning of his ways for his works. From everlasting, he established me in the beginning, before he formed the earth, and before he made the depths, and before the springs of waters came forth, before the mountains were settled. He begets me before all the hills. When I repeated these words, I added, You perceive my hearers, if you bestow attention, that the scripture has declared that this offspring was begotten by the Father before all things created, and that which is begotten is numerically distinct from that which begets. Anyone will admit. So, other church fathers, like Origen, interpreted wisdom as God the Son, and pointedly mentioned both the divine and human natures in Christ. And he does that while he's discussing Proverbs 8. In the first place, we must note that the nature of that deity which is in Christ in respect to his being the only begotten Son of God is one thing. And that human nature which he assumed in these last times for the purposes of of the dispensation of grace is another. Now I'll interrupt what Origen is saying. There's a difference between Jesus in a state of exaltation and in a state of humiliation. In a state of humiliation, he became incarnate and therefore began the work of our salvation on earth. In a state of exaltation, he existed at all times and did the work of creation. So Origen continues. Origen died around 254. And therefore we have first to ascertain what the only begotten Son of God is, seeing he is called by many different names according to the circumstances and views of individuals. For he is referred to as wisdom according to the expression of Solomon. Quote, The Lord created me the beginning of his ways and among his works before he made any other thing. He found in me before the ages, in the beginning before he formed the earth, before he brought forth the fountains of waters, before the mountains were made strong, before all the hills, he brought me forth. Origen says, he is also styled firstborn as the Apostle has declared, who is the firstborn 
of every creature. The firstborn, however, is not by nature a different person from the wisdom, but one and the same. Finally, the Apostle Paul says that Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So now we understand why this Proverbs chapter 8, particularly verses 22 to 31, are used on Trinity Sunday. Because it shows very clearly, particularly from the Hebrew text, that Jesus was there before all of the creation and that he was given the assignment by God the Father not only to create the world but if you go to Daniel chapter 8 as the son of man he is given the assignment to come to earth and redeem all of earth by his death on the cross So by his exaltation, he is always divine. He is part of the Holy Trinity. By his humiliation, he is human, incarnated for the purpose of being able to die for your sins and pay the price that you and I cannot pay. Therefore, we are not saved by works. We're saved through faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's really the teaching of Proverbs 8, and especially for Trinity Sunday. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening on tomorrow's Law and Gospel. We'll be continuing with a subject that we hope will be of interest to you. So tune in at 9.30 uh, to hear us. And we'll be going ahead with something again, dividing law and gospel. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.